Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. The mind is a broken thing. It runs, races, and paces, taking me places that consume me, distract me, and tempt me. To believe I'm not good enough, no, never will be. You've got to strive to survive, to thrive, to stay alive in this world of ever-changing, evolving ideas, images, idols, and icons. You have to work for your worth, clean yourself up, do more, be better. Don't show weakness, be tough, try to be enough, collect piles of treasures, trinkets, and stuff. Maybe then you'll be loved. Yes, the mind is a broken thing. If unguarded and let loose, it can attack you and snatch you and trap you, leaving you stuck, self-obsessed, asleep, and enslaved. But if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Your mind doesn't have to be out of control. Those thoughts and loops and cycles can stop. You're not left unarmed. You have a tool to interrupt. The racing, pacing, list-making, restless, unending, repeating, defeating, distracting, disorienting, consuming, controlling thoughts. Yes, you can interrupt the fight against the lies, the arrows from the enemy that fly in the darkness of the night. They're coming for you, but they don't want to be realized You have the word. You have light. You have life. Wake up from your twisted perspective that keeps you despairingly focused on yourself. Instead, fix your eyes on what what you see and what you know and what you understand and what really matters. You are not a victim of your own mind because if you're in Christ, you have victory. A God who loves you, knows you, sees you, who has shown you love. So radical, intimate, personal, and wild that he would personally choose to lose a child to reconcile all mankind. While we were still sinners, Christ died It's hard to fully grasp the vastness of his steadfastness, his mercy and his grace that move past any mistakes that you or I have made to pull us from the pit that you were once in. If you truly knew him, you would love him. You would believe him and you would kill any seed of a thought that would twist and thwart and take your mind from whatever is true, honorable, Just, pure, lovely, and commendable. Yes, the mind is a broken thing, but God's spirit dwells deeper. His word rings truer, for in Christ Jesus, we are free. That's a poem by Rachel Landingham. And it was quoted in the book, Get Out of Your Head, by Jenny Allen. And it so encapsulates my message today. So uh, thanks, everybody. Have a good day. (laughs) 
Just kidding. But I should say hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Good to be in church. Uh, I want to say hello to everyone in the room, everyone joining us online. As Pastor Aubrey said, I'm the campus pastor out in Niverville, who watched me on the screen earlier today, as well as Bronx Park and North End. So glad to be in church together with you today. My message today is called Thoughts on Thoughts. And I want to look at our mind, the way we think, what we think about, and how it affects our mind. In case you missed the quote in that intro, I love what Richard W. Paul said. He said, critical thinking is thinking about your thinking while you're thinking in order to make your thinking better. (laughs) The mind is fascinating and powerful. We can talk ourselves into things or start believing something that we have made up if we tell it to ourselves often enough. I'm sure we've experienced that. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. What we think and what we tell ourselves can be helpful or it can be harmful. If you think you can't, you probably won't. But if you think you can, you probably will. The life we have is a reflection on what we think. What we think is who we become. Proverbs 23.7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Pastor Craig Rochelle says, Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Change your thinking, change your life. So we're going to look at three things about our thoughts today. And these three things are, they're going to come up on the screen, is see it, catch it, and change it. And if you read all those three points again, you will notice that they actually do all begin with C. I'll wait for it. Okay, we got it. Okay. The first thing we need to do if we want to change our thinking, is to see it. We need to identify our thoughts, identify the power of our thoughts. See, humans think almost every moment that we're awake. Most people find it impossible to empty their mind of all conscious thought because we're in constant conversation with ourselves, whether we realize it or not. This self-talk was way more evident than I've ever seen in the Olympics. I don't know, anyone watch the Olympics here? Not not a lot of people, okay. Uh, So in the Olympics, I was watching the track and field, and what they would do is, before they were going to attempt the jump, let's say it's the high jump, or the long jump, or the pole vault, which is just ridiculous, by the way, this is what they would do. They would get ready. They would start slapping their legs to get ready, like slapping their arms. They would start talking and even shouting to no one in particular. And what they were doing was, They were talking themselves into being successful in their jump, right? They were seeing it before they were doing it. I don't know if you ever come in here like an hour before the church service starts. Sometimes Pastor Mark is sitting over there and he's visualizing the sermon and he's talking to himself and he's building himself up. And for some reason, he also does the slapping and the shouting thing and I don't know why. But in track and field and in our life, success comes easier when we see it before we do it. I've seen this in our son, Elijah. He's seven now, but what he does is he'll just do something even without, like, knowing that he's ever done it before. He just sees it, and he does it out of the blue. An example of this is we were swimming once. He was five years old. This is a couple years ago. He had never really dove into the water before, and out of the corner of my eye, I see him run at the pool, do a front flip, and jump into the water. (laughs) And I'm like, what just happened here? So I asked him, I was like, buddy, did... What made you think you could do that? And he says, well, I just thought I could do it. So he did it. And I'm like, okay, well, do it again. Grabbed my phone and took a video. Here's the video of him first time, well, this is the second time, flipping into a pool. 
<laughs> that turned out okay, but there was another time where he was playing a video game and he saw Super Mario do a bum drop like this. I'll show you the video. Not of him, this is Mario. Again, he's five at the time. He's walking around the house, hardwood floor. He jumps up, no front flip this time, puts his legs up, boom, bum on the floor. He didn't cry because I think he was shocked at what actually just happened. <laughs> and again, I asked him, buddy, what made you think you could do that? And he said, I just thought I could do it. <laughs> he saw it and he did it. What happens in our minds, for better or for worse, translates into our actions and our decisions and our behaviors. And it writes the story of who we are. Every act that a person has done in history, whether great or horrible, was preceded by a thought. Every act we've done in our lives has been preceded by a thought. Thinking about thinking is important. Last week, Pastor Mark talked about the brain in terms of faith and fear. And it's crazy to think about our brain, this bunch of folded tissue that can determine what we say, what we feel, what we do, how we move, what we want, what we love, what we hate. Seeing the power of our mind matters because it shapes who we are. Being self-aware is important. We might not have the power to change our circumstances or have control over our situation, but we have the power to change our minds. And that's what we're going to look at today. So the first step is to see it. See the thought. The next thing to do is to catch it, to capture it. A lot of times, we need to capture the thought, or the thought will capture you. Catch it. Capture it. Take captive. Because of my years in youth ministry, I can't help but think of the game Capture the Flag, which means to conquer. The word capture means to conquer, force into submission, to bring under control. That's what we're supposed to do with our thoughts. It's like a war, like a battle. There's a battle going on in our minds. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments on every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, what? Take captive every thought. What happened here? What do we do? We take captive every thought. There are people in the room, right? Good. Okay. And make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought. Is that even possible? Have you ever tried? (laughs) Do you know how many thoughts we think? I mentioned the book earlier, Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. In there, she figured that the average human thinks 30,000 thoughts a day. And so if you're awake 16 hours a day, that is 31 thoughts per minute. There's a stat for you. 31 thoughts per minute. Can we catch all those thoughts? In our house right now, I feel like I can't even keep up and catch the 31 flies per minute that seem to be flying in our house. To capture every thought, I think that's the ideal. That's the goal. But to start, we work to capture one thought. Start with the next thought, and then the next one, and the next one, and go from there. Making those thoughts obedient to Christ, which we're going to look at in point number three. Let's look at a story in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers. 
The Israelites have come out of the Exodus. They're coming into the promised land. They're coming up to the promised land. And they send 12 spies to go check it out and to see what they're facing. This is what they find. Numbers 13, verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Interesting. So Joshua and Caleb here, they're, they're saying one thing. They're saying, we can do this. We can get into the promised land. And then the ten of these spies are coming and they're changing their thoughts. They took one look at it and they said, we can't do this. God has spoken. God has said, this is your land. I promised it to Abraham. I promised it to Moses. You are my people. I let you escape Pharaoh. I led you through the Red Sea. I'm giving you this land. And they go, hold on. You didn't mention there's people in the land. There are enemies and, and fortified cities in there. There's stuff that has to be won. And God is saying, yes, there's a battle, but I'm giving it to you. Trust me. I think that relates to us today too. Sometimes the thought of a battle takes away our trust in God. Sometimes the thought of of having to do the work takes away from our faith in God. So the 12 spies go out. 10 thought no. 2 thought they should go. Joshua and Caleb. And the people of Israel went with the majority and they didn't go. And as punishment, none of them who were living at that time got to see the promised land when they eventually did go in except for Joshua and Caleb. Sometimes we don't want to actually think for ourselves, and if we don't take thoughts captive, they'll capture us. I don't know how many of you shop at Costco on Keniston, but during the pandemic, I was there, and they always had one really long line from the checkout station all the way to the back of the store, and, you know, it's between the groceries and the clothes, you know the line, right? And everyone just goes, oh, I guess that's the line, and they stand in that line. Well, I wasn't going to let the thought of the majority catch me. So I caught a thought. I found the secret treasure. I saw another line. (laughs) Right down the middle of the store. No one's in there, but it's a line. It goes between the clothes. There's things on the floor for where you should stand. It's a line to the checkouts. No one knows it's there. It seems like 90% of the people there have no idea that this line existed. But it's there. And I almost felt guilty for going in that line and leaving all those suckers behind in the other line. <laughs> but I didn't. I went in there. Now if you go there, more people have discovered this secret treasure and the lines are a little more even if you go there now. So I thought I was going to give you a hot tip when you go to Costco, but it's kind of gone now. They're both evil, but, or equal, not evil. Maybe evil. I don't know. But catch a thought before it catches you. Sometimes if we don't take the initiative to see a thought and to catch it to make it captive... It ends up catching us. So in Numbers, we see these 12 spies. And what is the number one rule for being a spy? Don't get caught, right? They didn't get caught by the enemy. They got caught by their thoughts. The land is incredible and amazing, but the people there, whoo, next to them, we feel like grasshoppers. And this is the best part. 
And that's what they thought too. I'm like, really? Did they really think that? Did you ask them? You went like, hey, big guys, we kind of feel like grasshoppers here. Is that what you think? Oh, you do? Okay then, bye-bye now. Did that happen? I'm not sure. They didn't capture their thoughts and make them obedient to God. And God said, the land is already yours. You go, I got your back. They took one look at the situation and said, too scary, and they didn't go. And their thoughts captured them. I think we had a great example of a catching a thought and taking it captive before it catches us in the recent Olympics, which none of you watched. <laughs> I don't know if you caught the story of Simone Biles and what is the one word we learn with the Simone Biles story? Does anyone know? She had a case of the... One person said it. You guys got to watch more Olympics. Come on. The twisties, yeah. Did you hear this word? The twisties, something we all never knew about, but now we do. It's this term in gymnastics, the twisties. And we learned that it's similar in other sports. They may call it the yips, or authors might call it writer's block. Uh, it's this disconnect between the brain and the body. We talked earlier of athletes needing to see what they do before they do it. The twisties in gymnastics, we discovered, is when that connection gets lost. And as the gymnast is spinning in the air, Maybe they do some extra twisting motion, or in Simone's case, she actually got lost midair, didn't know the distance from her body to the ground, and her body just kind of went on autopilot, and instead of doing two and a half twists, she did one and a half twists, and somehow miraculously still landed, but it could be very dangerous. They say it's a very dangerous thing when a gymnast gets the twisties, because there's this disconnect between the brain and the body. But what happened next is where Simone caught her thought. Remember, she is widely considered to be the greatest gymnast of all time. If you haven't seen what she can do, go to YouTube, search Simone Biles. It's incredible, some of the things that she can do. She's doing like 89 more flips than any other gymnast. It's crazy. If you were the greatest at something, you probably would assume that once you fell or once you did a mistake, you could just dust yourself off, get up, and do it again, right? But Simone saw the power of the mind, and she caught a thought. This is what she said. After that vault... I was like, I'm not in the right headspace. I'm not going to lose a medal for this country and for these girls because they worked, this is the team competition, because they worked way too hard for me to go out there and have them lose a medal. This is the greatest of all time saying this to her team. She's saying, I don't got it today. I'm not going to bring you down. What self-awareness? She caught a thought before it caught her. She went on to say this. It's so big. It's the Olympic Games. But at the end of the day, it's like, we want to go out here and not be dragged out on a stretcher. I want to focus on my mental health. We have to protect our minds and bodies and not just go out, listen to this, and do what the world wants us to do. She said she got inspiration from Naomi Osaka, who boldly withdrew from two Grand Slam tennis tournaments this year to focus on her mental health, to prioritize it. And she was on the cover of Time magazine with the, with the title of It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Mental health is so important. And I want to stop here and say that with this message, I am not suggesting that you can think your way out of mental health concerns. I'm not saying that all you need to do is to change your thinking and everything will be okay. Mental health struggles are real and important to talk about. And in many cases, prescribed medication is very helpful and even necessary in the journey to mental health. 
Maybe the thought here that some of you need to catch is that you should get some help on that journey. But hear me that I am not saying that when we are facing mental health concerns, which we all do, by the way, that you can just think your way out of it or just have it magically change your mind and it's all good. But this idea of seeing a thought and catching it and taking it captive and making it obedient to Christ is important in all of our journeys. That making it obedient to Christ part is we're going to talk about next. When we see the thought, we catch it, we take it captive. And the third thing is we change it. We renew our minds. Once we've caught a thought, we look at how we can change our mindset, change our focus, change the filter through which we're thinking. Pastor Craig Rochelle talks about how we all have a default filter in our minds, a cognitive bias where our brain is pre-wired to think a certain way or even interpret a situation that the interpretation might not even be completely accurate. That's why two different people can be, respond totally differently to the exact same situation. It's not the facts that are different, it's the filter. The 12 spies go out and they all saw the same thing. The facts were the same. Joshua and Caleb said, God has given us this land, so let's go, we got this. But 10 of them saw it through a different filter. They framed it differently and they came to a different conclusion. They let their thoughts catch them. And now they aren't dealing in facts anymore. They're like giants and we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. Two people walk into church. Sounds like a joke, but it's not, trust me. One says, this place is full of hypocrites. The music's dumb. The guy talking is boring. I'm never coming back. The next person experiences the exact same service and says, the music moved me. The preaching spoke right to me. Everyone I met was so loving and kind. Same situation, two different responses. The filter changed the conclusion. Because you usually find what you're looking for. Like the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird. What does a vulture do every day? They find roadkill. They find dead things because that's what they're looking for. What does a hummingbird find? A hummingbird finds nectar and sweet things. Why? Because that's what they are looking for. And you find what you're looking for. If you look for the good, you'll find the good. If you look for the bad, you'll find the bad. Sometimes it's about changing our focus. Before leading the Dallas Cowboys out on the field before the 93 Super Bowl, Jimmy Johnson told the coach, he told his players that if he put a two-by-four across the floor and had the players walk across it, he said everybody would make it across and not fall because your focus is on walking across the board. But if I put that same board between two buildings 10 stories high, fewer of you would make it because your focus would be on falling. Pastor Mark talked about this last week when he was talking about the flying Walendas. And Jimmy Johnson told his players not to focus on the crowd or the media or the possibility of falling or their surroundings, but to focus on each play of the game as if it were a good practice session. And they ended up winning the game 52-7. to Renewing our minds is about changing our focus. Don't interpret the goodness of God through your circumstances. Interpret your circumstances through the goodness of God. That's good. I'm going to say that again. Don't interpret the goodness of God through your circumstances. Interpret your circumstances through the goodness of God. God gives us an opportunity to change our mind, to renew our mind. Finding a mindset that focuses on Jesus and his plan, not on ourselves and our mistakes. 
Finding a mindset that sees adversity as an opportunity for God to move, as an opportunity to discover his goodness. We see this in the book of Philippians. Paul is in prison, he's in chains, and he says this in Philippians 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Did you catch that? Because of my chains, brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. Are you getting Paul's mindset? Paul seems to be excited and even grateful of the situation. He's in chains. Because of my chains, people have become confident in the Lord. Paul is like, I'm in jail. I'm chained up. This is so cool. I don't think we're thinking this. This is so cool. I'm chained to this guard 24 hours a day. This is awesome. This guy's really going to know who my God is by the end of this. Can you imagine being the guard? He's probably wishing for some earplugs at this point, right? Like, this guy won't shut up. He keeps talking about his God. It's like a 16-hour-a-day theology lesson. The rotating guards are probably saying, there's something different about this guy. He's chained to me, but at the same time, he's encouraging me. It's not just the guards. It's the whole palace that's getting affected by this. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 22, All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Wait, Caesar's household? How does that happen? (laughs) Remember, Paul is chained to the guards. I'm sure the guards are talking to other guards. The influence is spreading, possibly all the way to Caesar's household. Paul took his situation and he changed his mindset. He took his thoughts captive and he made them obedient to Jesus. He focused on God's plan. And he didn't jump to an unhelpful conclusion. There's one more verse in Philippians that sums up Paul's mindset on how we can renew our minds. Philippians 4.8 And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The last thing I want to do today is look at what we're putting into our minds. Romans 12:2 says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." Guard your mind against garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. Or we had a youth leader once who was preaching about this to our youth and his message was called corn in, corn out. I'll leave you with that visual. Proverbs, sorry. Proverbs 15, 14 says a wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash. So let's talk about food. Let's think about what we're feeding our brain in terms of food. Food can be addictive. So can the things we feed our mind. Some food is good for us. Some food is not so good, but we eat it anyway, right? And some things we would never eat in our lives. So I've categorized three kinds of food that we fill our minds with. This isn't consuming with our mouth. This is consuming with our eyes and our ears and our mind. The first one is healthy food. Got a good carrot here. Want some? Healthy brain food. 
I did that in the first service, and I took like a giant chunk, and then I had to preach with a mouthful of carrot. It was kind of interesting. <laughs> things that encourage you, things that build you up, make you smarter, things that make you more skillful, more successful. One of my favorite ways to consume media these days is podcasting. I used to love music, but I don't even have music on my phone anymore. I'm all about the podcasting. I like talking way more. I think I'm getting old. Because as a little kid, I used to wonder why old people always turned the radio to talk radio. I thought it was weird, but now it's my version of talk radio. I guess I'm old. So for me, healthy brain food is preaching podcasts, leadership and faith conversations, reading Christian books, and of course, reading my Bible. Sometimes I do listen to worship music or other music that points to God. And healthy food doesn't have to be spiritual either. We can sharpen our minds by learning new skills. You can learn to do anything on YouTube. I'm sure you've discovered this. If you want to put in the time, it's there on YouTube. YouTube is also home to the other types of food that we're going to get into. But I want to challenge you. Go back to point one and see it. Take a look at your life. Think of the healthy food that you're putting in your mind. The second type of brain food that we eat in our mind is junk food. Kit Kat bar, want some? Hmm. Not going to lie, it tastes better than the carrot. (laughs) Junk food isn't poison, right? It's not necessarily going to harm us. It just doesn't have a lot of benefit. A steady diet of junk food is obviously going to be unhealthy, both physically and mentally. We can get so filled full of junk food that we lose our appetite, and then we don't feed ourselves the healthy food. The same goes with your brain and what we consume mentally. Empty mental calories. Some of the most unhappiest people in the world are those that watch hours and hours of television. We all do it at times, right? Filling our mind with these empty mental calories. For me, that's mainly watching sports. I'm a big sports guy. Apparently none of you guys are because you didn't watch the Olympics. I'm a sports guy. I watch sports. I listen to sports podcasts. My wife thinks I'm weird because of how much sports I like to watch. She thinks it's ridiculous. She thinks I'm even weirder that I listen to sports podcasts and listen to people talking about sports I'm not even watching, which is kind of going a little too far, I think, but I don't know, that's what I do. There's a lot of media out there, and it's not really going to hurt us, some of it. Some of it's not really poisonous, but it's not really health food. Music, videos, TV, video games, social media, the news. It's not necessarily bad, but it's not great either. It might be okay every now and then, But we have to watch that it's not consuming our lives. See it. What is some of your favorite junk food media? Think about it. Some of it is probably okay in moderation. But is your brain getting a steady diet of that junk food in a day? Or maybe you need to think about changing the portion sizes a bit and adding some healthy food into the mix. The third type of food we feed our brains is toxic food. You know what this is? Detergent pod for washing dishes. Should I take a bite? (laughs) No, I'm not going to take a bite (laughs) because this is poisonous, right? Toxic food. It's poison. We aren't going to eat this because it's poison. For me, as a teenager, the toxic food that I was taking in into my brain was 90s grunge music. And I listened to this all the time as a teenager before I was a Christian. And I would say that I just liked the sound of the music. I would say that I just didn't listen to the words. But the fact is, I knew all the words because I could sing any of those songs. Probably even today, I could sing some of those songs to you. That was the toxic food I was taking. And what changed was, if I kept listening to that, I probably would have gone down that road. But Jesus came in and changed my life. And what happened was, I didn't want 
to go down. I didn't want to consume that food anymore. So one day, I came home from school. I was a teenager. I came home from school, and I walked into my room, and back in this time, my generation, youngins, I listened to CDs. Those are these circles that had music on them. This one, yeah. And I went to my room, and I had over 100 CDs of this junk and toxic music, and I just broke them, and I broke them. And for me, that was huge. That was getting rid of that toxic food, and I haven't looked back. Continuing with the example of music, we see all kinds of music that has this label of explicit, or you could say toxic. But there's also all kinds of songs that have the label of clean, and that's totally to- some of it is totally toxic too. The same with movies. If you draw the line at rated R movies, there are all kinds of movies that are labeled clean and safe that can be totally toxic. We can find endless toxic videos online of things we shouldn't be watching. And now we live in a time where we even have to be careful with the news and social media because that can be toxic as well. Toxic food, things that get into your system and poison your thinking. Psalm 101 verse 3 says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Do you put before your eyes something that's worthless? Sure you have. We all have. If you want to guard your mind, you need to guard your eyes and your ears. Protect your mind against garbage. We need to check, what are we filling our minds with? Is it toxic? Is it junk food? Is it health food? Have open conversations with others about what you're consuming. Be accountable with what you're consuming, what you're thinking. Not pointing fingers at people, but putting what you are consuming to the test. Talk with God about what you're feeding your mind. Keep a running conversation with God going. It keeps us aware that God is always with us, not as a scornful parent, but as a loving father. That will help put a filter on your mind. Focus on things that are good. I like what Rick Warren said about this. He said, don't resist bad thoughts. Just refocus on good thoughts. You can't get bad thoughts out of your mind by trying not to think about them. That's like saying, I'm not going to think about this dishwasher cleaner. I'm not going to think about this dishwasher cleaner. What am I doing? I'm thinking about the dishwasher cleaner, right? What we're saying is, the only way to get a bad thought out of your mind is not to resist it, but to replace it. Replace it. Replace it with something else. See it. Catch it. Change it. It's not about resisting the toxic or the garbage food that we put in our brains. It's about refocusing. Flip the channel to something else. Find some healthy food to replace it with. I'm going to close with one last verse. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I heard a pastor say that we are not starting from zero. We are starting from Jesus. He brings us from death to life. We are not starting from zero. We are starting from a point of victory. Jesus said, it is finished. But then he said, go fight the good fight. You are not moving for victory. You are moving from victory. As we look to see it, see our thoughts and catch it, take our thoughts captive and to change our thoughts, to renew our minds, remember that we are coming from a place of victory in Jesus. Let's stand together. If I can get you to close your eyes and bow your heads. The first step in renewing our mind 
and taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient to Jesus is taking that first step of obedience and inviting Jesus into our life to start that relationship with him. And God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And he rose again to be your Lord and Savior. And if you're here today, you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Or if you're watching online, you've never made that decision. Today's your opportunity. And so with no one looking around, if you're here today and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus for the very first time, or maybe you have long in the past, but you want to come back to him, just raise your hand so I could see it and you can put it down again. And if you're online, click that raise hand button saying, I want to take that step today. Okay, well, we're, we're going to pray a prayer. And if you raise your hand or if you click that button, I want you to say this and we're all going to say it together. It's a prayer inviting Jesus into our life. Repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your love. And today I ask for your forgiveness. I confess that I've sinned, but I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose again to be my Lord and Savior. I invite you into my life to change me from the inside out, to renew my mind. Today I start my relationship with you. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand today. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.